One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. In my freelance writing days, I had to go interview someone and I had my little recorder. And the batteries were dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. At one point, they looked down and they're like, is that thing on? It's causing me physical pain to even think about this scenario. Well, of course, we are not here to talk about faulty recording equipment. We are here to talk about something else. Evan, do you know what it is? I could take a guess. Go ahead. Cats. Let's talk about cats. Cats. Let's talk about cats. This is, of course, Let's Talk About Cats. I'm noted cat lady Mary Phillips Sandy. My cat is Grendel. And I'm very excited to have with us here today Evan Ratliff, journalist, author, most recently of The Mastermind, which has a very dramatic subtitle, Drugs, Empire, Murder, Betrayal. If there's not something that you enjoy in that, I don't know what's wrong with you. Oh, and I should say also you're the co-host of The Long Form Podcast. Yes. Which is an excellent podcast. And you are, most importantly, the owner, companion, Father? I say friend. Friend. I don't like the uh, parent-pet situation. Yes, friend of a cat named Henry. I know this is difficult for someone who makes their living in long form. In five words, can you give us Henry's life? Fastidious, weirdo, tongue always out. You know, you might, you might want to reconsider the long form thing. That was really good. Thank you. We're going to talk a lot more about Henry later in the show, as you know, but it is now time for our cat quiz. Uh Here's how it works. There's going to be five questions. There's no time limit. You just have to answer quickly. Uh, There is a prize at stake. Today's cat quiz is how much do you know about cats and things that are long? Are you ready? I guess so. Question number one. Waffle the Warrior Cat set a world record for the longest jump by a cat in January of 2018. In feet, how far did Waffle jump? Well, it's going to be embarrassing how far I could get this wrong. Six feet. You're incredibly close. It was seven feet. It was seven feet. Seven feet. That's pretty good, right? All right. Question number two. In the 1993 movie Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey, a cat named Sassy travels hundreds of miles through the wilderness to find her family. There are also some dogs in the movie, but I don't care. Which Oscar-winning actress provided Sassy's voice? Meryl Streep. So close. It was Sally Field. (laughs) All right. You're doing great. Question number three. Which of the following is not a long-haired cat breed? Javanese, York chocolate, Somali, or snowshoe? Snowshoe? Evan Rowell, if you're correct. Yes. Snowshoe is a short-haired breed of cat. <laughs> All right, question number four. The longest noodle ever measured was made in Henan province in 2017. It was 10,119 feet and 1.92 inches long. Earlier this year, in 2019, a cat in Henan went viral after it was caught on video doing what to a woman working in a bank? Licking. Uh, no, I can't give it to you. Uh, the cat fell out of the ceiling and landed on her desk. Mm. It's a great video. We'll link it in the show notes. It was unrelated to the noodle. Unrelated to the noodle. Just a lot of interesting things happening there <laughs> in Henan province. Okay, final question. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the longest whisker on a cat measured 7.5 inches and was found on a Maine Coon named Missy in which chilly yet cheerful country? The Netherlands? Nope. I'm so sorry. It was Finland. Finland. Apparently, Finns are very happy people, uh, according to a number of psychological reports, and they also have cats with very long whiskers. Evan Ratliff, you win the cat quiz. (laughs) Tell the people what I am handing you. It's a cat. 
Would you say the tail is is long it's and a long curled tail. over the cat? It is a finished Incredible. cat with a very long tail for you. Congratulations. Even though I got that one wrong, I am honored. The secret is that everybody wins the cat quiz, no Don't matter tell what you Okay. Now it is time for a segment that we call Hot Topic, and this is where you and I resolve a divisive feline issue that's been plaguing the cat community for some time. And I thought this would be a really good one to talk about with you because it does involve crime, investigative research, etc. So let me give you some background. In 2013, forensic scientists at the University of Leicester created a cat DNA database from 152 cats. And this is relevant because they used that DNA to help convict a man who had been accused of manslaughter. Hmm. The victim's body had cat hairs on it. They were able to make a match between the rare mitochondrial DNA type of the cat hairs on the victim and the alleged murderer's cat. The cat's name was Tinker. I don't know that that really matters, but it was. And that was the first time in the UK that cat DNA had been used in a, in a criminal trial. I would think so. <laughs> So I want to read you a quote from the lead forensic scientist, Dr. John Wetton, who said that he was very excited about the possibilities of this because the 10 million cats in the UK are unwittingly tagging clothes and furnishings in more than a quarter of households. Basically saying, people who have cats, we can find out if you did a crime. Well, first of all, this just confirms what I've always sort of believed, which is that I'm just walking around through life with cat hair on me y- all yeah, the time. Yeah, basically everybody who has a cat has cat hair on them, even if you can't see it. But often you can see it in my case. So I- I'm curious what you think about this. Are there ethical implications? There are definitely ethical implications. I mean, there's a lot of junk forensic science, so you can easily see this being misapplied and, and abused. And I feel like so much forensic science has been debunked mm-hmm. recently that was for a long time used to put people in prison that I am naturally very skeptical of, even a cat-based new version of forensic science. Well, I'll tell you this. Cat DNA is different from human DNA. And the only sort of DNA that can be measured on cats in this way is mitochondrial DNA. And there are a limited number of mitochondrial DNA types in cats in the world, I think a little over 100. So it can be used as an exclusionary tool, Mm. um, that that can be a way to rule out people. And of course, multiple cats can have the same mitochondrial DNA. That's how mitochondrial DNA works. I guess it can be shared among uh, relatives or people of a similar type. And of course, with cats, there's a lot of interbreeding. It's not necessarily, unless you're dealing with purebred cats, which most people are not. To me, the problem is this. How do we know that the cats are not framing people? They certainly have the, the motive. I don't know about you. When I feed Grendel an hour late because I get home late, she's very angry. Is she angry enough to frame me for murder? I don't know that I can say. Some days, perhaps. Right. So do you think that this is an avenue of research that should be shut down or continued? I don't think it should be shut down, but I do think there should be government commissions to assess the implications. What if they started collecting DNA from the cats and created a kind of database, which then they could use to solve unsolved crimes, Right. but then... Do you need a cat's consent to put their DNA into a cat DNA database? What about the cat's privacy? And the way this particular DNA analysis works, they need fur from the cat. They need fur. And so, again, some cats really happy about being brushed, groomed, that sort of thing. Other cats, you know, it could be dangerous for the researchers themselves trying to collect this sort of evidence. You could be putting yourself at risk of clawing, hissing. I don't even know what else. It seems like they should just slow it down, assess the consequences before 
we're seeing cat experts testifying in courtrooms yeah. without any or, standards. Or actual cats. Or who knows, even cats. I mean, maybe that's really what it is. Maybe instead of relying on DNA evidence, we need to hear from the cats themselves. I mean, I mean, that's the other thing, right? We have a right to representation. I don't know how it is in the UK. Here in the US, we do. So, I mean, is the cat an accessory to the crime now? What is the judicial perspective on that? I don't think that we currently have enough of a legal framework to move ahead with this sort of thing. I think that's fair. You always do wonder if your cat would sell you out if given the opportunity. Yeah. If they got on the stand and, and someone said, are they a good owner? And the cat would be kind of like, eh. They could have done been better. better. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we've reached a conclusion, which is that forensic science of cat DNA in, in criminal justice settings, it's potentially very dangerous and should be stopped immediately. So if you are listening to this from the University of Leicester, I'd like you to stop. Thank you very much. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So now it is time for my favorite part of the show. Let's talk about your cat. Mm. But before we do that, I want to talk about your cat podcast. Now, many, many years ago, you promised the world a podcast called Cat Men, and that podcast does not exist. Does not. Can you tell me why did you let the people down? First of all, there were supposed to be three hosts of the Cat, cat Men podcast, which was going to be interviews with men talking about their cats. That mm -hmm. was the premise. One of them was Corey Sika, who's yes. the first guest, I believe, on yes. this podcast. Yes, he is the muse uh, of Let's Talk About Cats. Which just, it just hurt even to hear him talking about his cats because that was exactly what we were trying mm -hmm. to capture. Mm -hmm. And the third was Aaron Lammer, who's my long-form podcast co-host, who's also a cat man. And we taped a couple episodes, but then I think everyone just got too busy to edit it. And then oh. at least one of the episodes I do have on a hard drive, but we just could not coordinate to to get it off the ground. That's why I don't have a co-host. That's why. I yeah. yeah. Wrangling three people to get together a room. Would you say it's like herding cats? <laughs> yes, I would say that. Mm -hmm. All That's right. What well, I was reaching for. So now we're going to talk about Henry. Um, how did you and Henry meet? Henry and I met, I guess, when he was picked up from his original home. He's not a rescue, which I think is controversial. Yeah. Controversial among cat and pet owners in general, but he was the kind of like runt of his litter. And so I like to say that I rescued him from a lifetime of feeling lesser than his, yeah. who came from a show cat family. He's a Himalayan cat. Oh, wow. So he's purebred. 
He is purebred, yes. Wow. I think yes. this is the first purebred cat we've Uh-oh. ever had on the show. I'm probably uh, going to get a lot of mail. You're going to get a lot of mail about it. You know what? All cats deserve a good life. Who knows what might have become of him? What prompted you to decide to get a purebred Himalayan cat? Did you just wake up one morning? I became obsessed with Himalayan cats, I think because of a cat on the internet. This was years ago. I mean, mm-hmm. he's 12 now. But my partner at the time was also obsessed with Himalayan cats, and so we decided to get a Himalayan cat. And then after the breakup, you kept the cat? That is correct. Okay. She very generously said you should keep him. Wow. Well, I'm glad that that worked out for you and for Henry. I want to talk about Henry's career on Vine. I know that he became a bit of a sensation. Um, What inspired you to start doing that? And then did the attention go to his head? Did he know how popular he was on the platform? He, he, he's the most oblivious creature, even among cats, I mm. would say. But when Vine came out, I loved the Vine format. Yeah. And it was the only social media platform that I really ever just loved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was so perfect for him because he's kind of weird looking mm-hmm. and he, he behaves in very weird ways. And so these sort of like six second videos of him, they were the perfect way to capture kind of what he's all about. Mm-hmm. And... It, he grew like a pretty good following initially, and then somehow he like leapt from people that I knew into a wider community. I would post videos of him that would sometimes get five hundred or six hundred thousand views. Like within a day, I would just see them hearts just like lining up. Wow. I've never experienced like true virality in that way, and it was completely insane. And it was completely not by design. No, I mean you I was just doing I was trying to make him famous. In fact, it was in a way it's like kind of scary. When that's not what you're after. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did think, wow, maybe I should monetize him now. Right. I a probably could have. Yeah. And even he did a photo shoot after that for Wired magazine. They were doing a story that involved Schrodinger's cat, the like famous puzzle sure. kind of thing. But anyway, he was the cat in a box. So he modeled. He modeled. That was when I stopped thinking about making him famous because I had to take him into Manhattan and take him to a studio, and they took all these photos of him, and he, I've never seen him more miserable than doing that. It's not for everybody. It's a tough life. Yeah. He doesn't like going out of the house. The whole thing was just like, I'm torturing this cat. I went online, and I found some things that fans said about Henry, and here are some things that fans said Henry resembles. Wilford Brimley. Yes. Donald Trump's head, and I should note this was way before the election. Oh, wow, I never Uh, saw that. uh, And and this one, are you sure that's a cat? (laughs) He would get that a lot. Does Henry know that he looks a little different? Does he care? I think he knows. I mean, he looks he looks like a very like irritated old man yep. most of the time. Um, but as he's gotten older, so he always had this thing where he would stick his tongue out if he was happy. And then sometimes it would go back in when he was uh, alarmed. But as he's gotten older, he just leaves his tongue out of his mouth all the time. But it gives him this affect of like he just does not give a shit about anything and i think i think he knows that he's got his tongue out all the time and then after vine died did you try to pivot to youtube no no because it also coincided with some of the most popular videos that i did with him were actually during the presidential debates and he would sit right in front of it and it was just his kind of like tongue out face and then donald trump saying something absurd or awful or racist behind him then when the election happened, it sort of, it didn't seem like fun anymore. Yeah. And the internet changed. I used to put him on Twitter too, and then I stopped as well. It just I noticed felt like, that. I thought that was very interesting. I didn't want myself 
on there and I didn't want him on there and everything got so sort of rancid. Reported nonfiction, there's always a choice, right? How much of yourself goes in the story? And you're there. You're in the book. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't really know you in the book. And I find this very interesting because you've written a lot. I've been reading your writing for many, many years. I don't know you. I wonder, is that by design? And is that something related to this idea of keeping Henry private, keeping yourself private in some way so that you can do this work? Or When I first started out, I wrote more about myself. It was sort of early internet days. It didn't feel so much like... You could end up with a bunch of strangers in your feed, you know. Mm -hmm. You had more control. Threatening you. It or, felt like you had more yeah, control. Yeah, or making fun of you. It was just like you put it in a magazine and it went out in the world and you mm -hmm. thought, oh, maybe some people laughed at that. And then over time, I just, I don't think I'm that interesting. So I just started thinking, especially when you start reading great essays. And I think in the context of reporting, I like to do it because I like to be the kind of vessel by which people learn about something and they can learn about it as they're watching me learn about it or talk to people or trying to discover or solve something. But even in that context, myself personally, I don't think that I'm that interesting. And so I don't want that to be the focus of the story. You've never written about Henry, really, have you? Not really. No, I don't think so. The exception might be like if Henry committed some sort of global crime I mean, do you think he would be good at committing crime on a global scale? Well, he's not smart. Oh, so okay. well. that component of it would be difficult. But he is very fastidious. Like if he gets into something, he will do it in a very exacting way. For instance, he eats one meal a day, mm -hmm. which he has eaten literally the same thing for 12 years. Every single day, he will not eat one other piece of food, human food, milk, chicken. He will eat one type of canned food, half a can with one uh, quarter cup of dry food once a day. That's it. He drinks out of the same coffee cup of water every day. So by this, I mean, if he really found a successful criminal scheme, I feel like he could execute on it. Right. Coming up with a scheme, uh, that seems far-fetched to me. He's not a strategic thinker, let's just say. What you're saying is sort of interesting because what I thought was really cool about the you that we see in the book is the level of sort of, shall we say, obsession mm -hmm. that happened where you, you became focused on this one thing and you were determined to pursue it until the end. Um, sounds like you and Henry, is that maybe something you have a little bit in common? Yeah, I think so. It's kind of like stalking something, stalking the, the answer to something mm -hmm. is, that's what I like to do in reporting and kind of unraveling it and staying on it even way beyond what's necessary in terms of how much time I spend on it mm -hmm, or reporting. Mm -hmm. That feels like a very Henry-ish quality. I mean, sometimes if he sees, for instance, a, a roach in our house, wherever it went, like let's say it went under a door, it went into a crack, he'll just sit there all night long waiting for it to come back out, thinking that it might come back out. And a lot of times he will catch it. In fact, one night in the middle of the night, Henry wakes me up at night all the time. I kind of felt him on my back with his little whiskers. And I was like, oh, Henry, come on. Uh, let's, I'm trying to sleep. It's like three in the morning. And then I slowly realized that it was not actually Henry. He had brought me a not yet deceased oh, large roach and deposited it on my back while I was sleeping. See, I think that is a global crime. I think that actually... <laughs> that is his crime. That is a crime. That is um, a thing I am now going to have nightmares about. <laughs>
I want to go back to the long-form office. I, I have intel that tells me there was one Feline Friday at the long-form office, the first and last Feline Friday. That's good intel. Well, they wrote about it on the all because, of course, they did. <laughs> all right. Um, I forgot about that. <laughs> so what was the impetus for that, and what caused it to stop after one session? Well, we had one of those modern offices where you were allowed to bring your dog, mm-hmm. and myself and Aaron Lammer, who also worked in the office, we were both being cat aficionados. We, number one, thought this was unfair, that there was not a day for cats. Mm-hmm. And number two, I love the dogs that we have, but they can be disruptive. Yeah. And cats could offer the same thing, the same sort of like vibe, but not be disruptive because all they're going to do is sleep all day. It turned out that wasn't exactly accurate because the thing they did most of all was uh, hide. They found incredible hiding places because they were terrified. The two cats that we brought did not want anything to do with each other, obviously. Right. I mean, yeah, in hindsight, it all made sense. And... I spent the whole day kind of like worried about Henry, then I took him home. Yeah, that's not great for productivity. No, it wasn't. It or was, Henry, probably. It was a lost day. Feline Friday was a lost day, and we never did it again. Well, that's too bad. Do you now work from home most of the time? I do. How does Henry feel about that? Henry loves that. I mean, I had done it for a long time before I had an office job, and we had a routine. And then as soon as I started working at home again, he was like, thank God we're back to what we do, which is that he naps, and then once or twice a day, he gets up, he gets in my lap. And he kind of like sits on my lap for maybe 20 or 30 minutes, takes a little nap there, and then he goes back to his other nap. He gets his fill of you, and then he's done. Every single workday, it's like that. And you get your fill of Henry. That's right. Does Henry know that your book is very successful? Does he know that people are praising it? Does he care? Is he uh, a fan of your work? Have you read it to him? Henry does not care. He doesn't share in your professional successes. I don't think so. I don't think so. He he wants what he wants. And as long as I'm around, people are around, and they do the things that he wants done, the scratches that he wants, mm. brushes. He goes for walks sometimes on a leash. Outside? Outside. Really? Yeah. What Now, how did you come to decide that he wanted to do that? Well... You can never quite tell what he wants to do, but he mostly goes once a year on my daughter's birthday. She gets to take him for a walk. That's her birthday party? Yeah, because his birthday is right next there in the same week. So they can celebrate together by going for a little walk. And he's not an outside cat. Uh, He would be, I mean, it would be hilarious how quickly he would fall apart if he Mm. was outside for any period of time. But I think he is intrigued by the outside world. And so he likes to, as long as you follow him, I think he really enjoys it. If you try to get him to do anything... He absolutely will not walk in any direction, as you can imagine, most cats won't. Right, yeah. There's this trend, uh, what is it, the adventure cats. There's a hashtag on Instagram that's very big now of people, you know, sort of showing off, taking their cats hiking or like in canoes or whatever, which, you know, again, like, you know, you know your cat best. And if that's what your cat wants to do, go for it. Um, I know personally Grendel would not stand for it in the slightest. I would be, you know, would, I would look like I'd been attacked by a bear if I tried to take her in a canoe. Um, but that's cool. So so how does Henry like your children? He's really warm to them. I mean, at the beginning, he he was very skeptical. He doesn't like the sudden movements. I mean, the funny thing is he's he gets scared of things. His whole life, like if you put his food down and then you open the fridge, he will make a little noise like, and then he'll run away. Like, nothing bad has ever happened to him, ever, involving opening the fridge. But he'll still get scared. But a baby was the first thing that, like, legitimately he should be scared of because they're grabby. And, and they make sudden movements. Mm-hmm. And they yell all of a sudden. So 
he he was very very standoffish but once they're like three and they kind of understand petting or even two then it's sort of like a petting machine like he can always get what he wants and so it's been really fun to watch him evolve from just like i will keep a five foot radius and i'm faster than you like closer and closer to now he will sit with my older daughter and just be petted for an hour if if she feels like it. That's really sweet. Yeah. Have you read anything that you can recommend to listeners, uh, any long-form writing that you can think of that is about cats or that cat lovers might like to read, other than your book, of course? Which I will say, there were no cats in, in The Mastermind. There were no cats. Did, there, were, there were no pets at all. I mean, I think... None of the global criminals had cats. Yeah, some of the... I actually thought about that at one point. They, some of them had dogs, I think. You know, there's a kind of like... They were sort of like mer- a lot of the mercenary kind of guys and maybe they have like a big pit bull or mm-hmm. something like that but and a lot of them had kids yeah and it made me think like anyone can have a kid but like none of them had cats and maybe that said something about their personalities mm. maybe they just never talked about their cats but i don't know why maybe they didn't cat want you to know about, about their cats maybe so maybe they didn't want me to see that side of them maybe we need a follow-up to the mastermind criminals and their cats part two criminal cat intent I don't know. I, you, you've got one copy sold right here already. I'm done. So, so. That's what, I'm trying to move copies one, one at a time. <laughs> That's how you have to do it. That's how you have to do it. Um, but truly, is there, um, is there any book or essay or anything that you have read about cats that, that you think cat lovers might respond to? Gosh, I should have come prepared. I mean, the thing that it's, it's an unfair thing to ask someone. I know that you are not the long form podcast search engine, which is available to people on the Internet if they'd like to use it. Well, I mean, the funny thing is the first thing that comes to mind, I know for a fact, has already been mentioned on this podcast, which is the thing that Corey wrote about the last photograph of cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the all had a lot of great cat content, actually, yes, it uh, did. over the years. Tell you what, if you think of something, you can email me and I will put it in the show notes oh, perfect. for our listeners to enjoy. And I will say also that when we recorded Corey's episode, the last photograph of Cat had vanished from the internet. And I gave him a hard time about it, but I have since found it and it is now linked on uh, on Corey's show notes page. And I reread it the other day. Man, it holds up. Yeah. And of course, he told me that it was not, you know, it's not very good. It's not important. That's the exact same face that I made. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very glad uh, that we That's agree on That's actually the face that Henry makes uh, 100% of the I, day. I, I wish podcasts <laughs> had just one little moment of video right now because it was a great face. So we're getting to the end of our time. and I was just wondering, what would you like to say to Henry, who is listening at home? Just let me sleep a full night, just once. He wakes you up every night? Yes. You can shut him out of the room, but then he scratches on the door. There's a thing that was bought for him as a kind of bed, which he hates, and he would never touch it. He doesn't like the material. And I tacked it to the door to try to keep him from scratching the door when he wants to come in, because he, he likes to come in like two or three times, and then first thing in the morning, he also comes in. And it didn't work. He just finds another place to scratch. I'm not sure that I've ever had a full night where Henry didn't disturb me in one way or another. It's kind of amazing that you're able to get so much work done. (laughs) I'm good at going back to sleep. Does he wake up other members of your family or is it just you? Mostly just me. But if I don't (laughs) react, then he'll go looking. (laughs) I mean, again, not to go back to the crime thing, but like if I were a federal prosecutor, I think I I have a list of things that Henry could be brought in for (laughs) just, you know, for questioning, right? Do you want to know how he does it sometimes? How? He licks my nose. 
Grendel is also a nose licker. What is it? Is there something on your nose that the cat wants? I don't know. I wish I knew. I'm very happy to hear that Grendel does that because I was worried that I had like a salty nose or like I was something weird (laughs) about my nose. Listen, there could well be something about like sweat glands or something that I don't know. I'm not a dermatologist. Um, It could also just be that they know it's going to work. You can't really just power through a cat licking your nose. You could be underestimating Henry's strategic thinking abilities. (laughs) Maybe his whole life I've just, he's a secret genius. It's a long con and you He's the mastermind. We have a shout-out today, and today's shout-out is going to Jackpot Jakes in Central Maine, my old stomping grounds. Always great to hear from you listeners there. Jackpot, Amanda wants you to know that you are one cool dude. And I have not met Jackpot Jakes, but that is a really good name. It is a good name. That sounds like a great a great establishment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. do you have a saloon? I would go to Jackpot Jakes if it were a saloon. Um, anyway, if you have a cat who deserves a shout out, please email us shouts at letstalkaboutcats.com. Tell us the cat's name, where they live, whatever message you would like them to hear, and I'll read it out at the end of an upcoming episode. Let's talk about cats. Okay, Evan, how can people find you online if they would like to keep up with you and your work and the latest with your books? I'm Ev underscore rat on Twitter. And I have a website, EvanRatliff.com. Great. And we'll link all of that, of course, on our website, which is letstalkaboutcats.com. While you're there, you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Let's Talk More About Cats. And you can find show notes and a full transcript for this episode as well. You can also follow us everywhere at LTACPOD. That's at L-T-A-C-P-O-D. And that's all for this episode. I am Mary. My cat is Grendel. Our producer, of course, is the real mastermind, Lizzie Jacobs. Our theme song is by Poingley with additional music by the English Muffins. And our show logo was created by Julia Emiliani. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next time about cats. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.